Hello, it's Graham Norton here. Thanks so much for listening to the very first episode of my Virgin Radio podcast. Uh, coming up, Ralph Little tells me all about filming season 10 of The Incredible Death in Paradise. I speak to the super soldier and all-round lovely man Ant Middleton about his brand new TV show with Rebel Wilson and property hunting powerhouses Kirsty Alsop and Phil Spencer. Join me to talk all things lockdown, home improvements, as well as their new series, Love It or List It. But first... Virgin Radio. With Maria by his side. <laughs> no, it's top of the tower. Top of the tower, top of the hour. That's it. Um, Do you want a problem? I'd love a problem. Here we go. <laughs> My life is so untroubled. <laughs> Dear Graham and Maria, with the craziness of COVID regs in current, ti- in current times, myself and my brother both had tests before visiting elderly parents at Christmas. It was lovely for them, and uh, but me and my brother had the most awful and massive row. We are two years apart and have always had a tempestuous relationship. The trouble is, I don't think there's any coming back from this one. Awful things were said that can't be taken back. My mum is really upset and has been crying on the phone. Of all times, we needed to be a cohesive unit, and this happens. Any suggestions? And that's from Brian in Reading. Oh, Brian in Reading, that's sad, because, you know, Christmas, you know, you did all the things that you needed to do to be with your elderly parents, and uh, you and your brother kicked off. I think, look, it's everybody's kind of tensions are running so high and as you say you've already got a tempestuous relationship with your brother so the tiniest things can start us off and this is gonna this is what was gonna happen at Christmas I just think you sound Brian in Redden like the more sensible of the two obviously I don't know <laughs> anything about your brother but you're saying of all the times we needed to be a cohesive unit and this happens and your mum is upset and you're worried about that so you have to be the big person here Brian I think you have to contact your brother I know bad things were said you probably said them he said them you're feeling hurt you have to be bigger here and say that was a terrible thing I'm and I think we we have to move on we have I'm apologizing here and I hope you will too, and we have to move on. If nothing else, for the sake of mum and dad, we're also very painfully aware that time, you know, for some people is limited. And so don't let this linger. Do not let this linger and fester. Enough time now since Christmas has passed. You've got to get in touch. However much it costs you, however hard it feels, just call your brother have a clear the air you have to and then let your mum and dad know so that they they're not worrying you know they don't deserve to be worrying about you two now yeah. what do you think graham well i think that is awful that is you know the mom's on the phone crying and just so oh, that's just terrible i do think you know what is it now it's the 9th of january uh, maybe a little more de- dust could settle maybe and then get in touch i agree with you i think get in touch apart well in a way i feel like you don't even need to apologize i think the main thing is Talk to your brother, meet up with him somewhere that isn't the family home. There's yeah. something about going back to the family home. Suddenly, everyone's a teenager. It doesn't matter how old or who, what you do. You could be the chairman of IBM. You're slamming your bedroom door uh, once you go home. So I think that's where it all <laughs> kicks off. You know what I mean? You're, it is, and it's pathetic. And you, you find yourself doing it. And it's, just, it's weird. But So don't... Have a conversation outside that family home. And I think what you say to your brother is, look, we don't get on. Uh, and I, I wish I wish things were different, but they're not. 
we don't have to get on. What we have to do is at least pretend to get on for our mother. We need our mother to think that we're not at war. And I think that's that seems like a reasonable thing to suggest to someone because, you know, some, sometimes there's just a, a kind of a chemical thing or some weird pecking order in a family where siblings just will never ever get on uh, but they've got to they've got to broker some sort of peace I, uh, for the mother not for them well, you know they probably don't care but for the mother I think you do Graham's Guide uh, can we have a second letter please yeah here we go dear Graham and Maria I have just exchanged a present brackets handbag from my sister that she kindly sent over for Christmas it had the receipt and was from a large store what's the problem you may ask what's Graham? the problem yeah, thanks, Graham. The thing is, I stupidly told her I loved it and that it was perfect. And now I'm worried to death as she takes everything so personally. Why did I do that? We only live five miles away from each other. It's really playing on my mind, even though it sounds so silly. And that is from, ooh, sorry, Elaine in Cornwall. Sorry, my computer just went down. Um, that's from Elaine in Cornwall. Poor Elaine. And, you know, this is sort of almost to endorse what we were saying about how tiny things yes. can really play on your mind. And, you know, I love that your sister sent you a handbag. I, I, I can't quite understand if you changed it for a new handbag. I'm hoping that you did. And then you can say to your sister, perhaps this is just a suggestion, of course, Elaine in Cornwall, that um, you did love it, but then you happen to spot something that went with a wonderful outfit that you are planning, fingers crossed, to wear to a wedding, you know, in October or whenever we'll be uh, vaccinated. And, um, and just decided then and there that that would be the perfect handbag and send her a picture of it. Oh, it might not happen, might not be there. Might, no. She might have just exchanged it for the money back. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Elaine in Cornwall, you're very mean-spirited. No, I just think you have to just fess up. It, a bit like the last letter, don't let a tiny thing become a big thing, and it's becoming a big thing in your mind. Just I, say, it, it is yeah. lovely, and it was lovely, and it's really up my street. You know me so well. You know, it's it's what they call a sort of poo sandwich, I think, that they call it. Can I say poo? I don't Double know. Double detention. Oh, yeah. um, and uh, <laughs> Give so you say a nice detention. thing, then you say a bad thing, and then you say a lovely nice thing at the end. So that she kind of is confused and goes, oh, I, th I think that was all good. That <laughs> I'm, she's confused. I'm very confused. I have no idea what this advice is. I just think this is... I, I do really feel for Elaine because this is the sort of stupid thing you blurt out. And then you're stuck with the fact that you've said it. Like, if you kind of go, oh, thanks for the handbag. Um, what we, what's weird is I just got a new one. So I'm, if you don't mind, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to exchange it. Something. Uh, you, it would have been fine. No one would have cared. It would have been lovely. But now that she said that she liked it, it, mm. it is going to be weird. This, you, you just know that sister is going to have a face on her for a long time. <laughs> will she really? Though? Yes, yes, she will. I think if you do what I'm saying, and you're, you're I didn't understand what you were deliberately saying. Deliberately accused by saying, <laughs> I, I, deliberately accused. You say it's it was really lovely, but I saw one that was perfect for an outfit that I wanted, and I knew you wouldn't mind, otherwise you wouldn't have sent the receipt. So whilst I did love that, 
I didn't have enough money to buy two handbags, so I got this. So I got one. rid of yours that I lied so I and told you I loved. Lovingly chose yes, for me. I, I sent yours back to the handbag rescue centre, and I chose another one. And uh, maybe send her. You know, she only lives eight miles away. Meet for a walk if you're on a bubble, and uh, you know, take her a gift or something. Just, I, I think this is something that you needed to do. You need to do face to face, so that and qui- um, and quickly, any quickly, quickly, and, quickly. Yeah. Because it is, a, I, I, yeah, it, it, it sounds, you know, what's sweet is Elaine knows it's a stupid problem. She knows it's silly. And yet these things are the things that wreck relationships. They kind of, they fester. And yeah. th- those tiny resentments kind of just build up. And, so, and suddenly you're at war. Virgin Radio. Uh, is there a letter? Dear Graham and Maria, my elderly neighbour has been shielding and I have been doing her shopping and various jobs around the house. She has no family and her only son died as a child and her husband died last March. That's sad. She is a lovely lady and I don't mind helping at all, but she is starting to want more from me. Many chores are thought up to stop me from leaving when I deliver the groceries. Of course, I understand she is lonely, but she is now trying to lure me with promises of including me in her will. I neither want or need any of that and feel I should extricate myself from a situation that is becoming difficult. How do I call a halt without hurting her feelings? And that is from Susanna in Northumberland. Oh, Susanna, I mean, that is a lovely thing, but that old saying, no turn, no good turn goes unpunished, seems to be coming true here. I think how you deal with this is um, say yes to the world. No, I'm joking about that. Uh, of course <laughs> well, you don't how, want How anything. nice is the house? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. How the big house. is the house? <laughs> Stop it. I think what you do is you say to her, sort of allotted slots almost, you say, I will be around at, you know, 10.15, and then you give yourself an out by saying, look, um, I'm delivering groceries for not just you, but for several other people as well. So she knows that you're actually, you know, it's lovely that you're delivering hers, but you've got other jobs to do. Well, you've got a life to lead for a start. But if she thinks that you've got other lonely, perhaps, people to deliver to, she won't maybe take up quite so much of your time. So I think it's about keeping the timetables quite precise and not allowing for those extra little jobs. Because, of course, you know, we're just sitting around in our houses and the minute you do see someone, you babble about a million miles an hour about, you know, flute (laughs) <laughs> loving the flute etc people so running, I running just away feel you have to be you have to be quite strict on that one and yes i feel i feel the key for susanna is to be firm uh, you know don't get drawn into oh all right then i will just change that bulb in the you know the back kitchen or whatever i i just think you uh, I mean, I know you don't want to hurt her feelings. My, I, but I think what you've got to be prepared to do is maybe bruise her feelings a little. You know, it, there will be a slight little wounded face when you say no to something. And you've just got to be strong enough to, to let that happen. Because otherwise, there's going to be a big blow up where you suddenly... Do you know what? I'm not bringing any groceries. I'm never going to talk to you again. We've fallen out. So just be firm now. And, I don't think you necessarily need to do the no, but I think she needs to know that your time is precious. And there are other, you know, that's why I'm thinking of the white lie, that there are others 
in the similar situation to the old lady who is alone and needs shopping that you also have to accommodate. So she feels then that it's not all about her because, you know, to say the no thing or you or you say, look, I will try and do the bulb in the back thing, whatever you said, um, next time I come. But, you know, time is a little bit tight. Yes, she's a neighbour, but you do have a life to lead and you do have to keep those boundaries. I mean, the mention of the will is a little alarming, don't you think, Yeah, no, that, I mean, also it's so kind of, oh, it breaks your Sad. heart. It breaks your heart that she thinks that uh, if if I if I say there's some sort of monetary gain here, you're going to help me more. I, I, I think Susanna, it, it's lovely that Susanna wants to help and it, Susanna's doing the right thing. I mean, that's, mm, a, that's, what, that's what you were saying about, you know, no good deed goes unpunished. It's, it's terrible that this lovely thing has now turned into kind of a bad thing because Susanna cannot rescue this woman entirely. It, this woman needs to do other things, be proactive. And it's so hard right now at the moment because you, know, you can't get out. She's shielding all the things that would have filled her day, you know, pottering around the shops by herself or, you know, whatever she was doing, she can't do right now. So it is very difficult. But equally, I think... Hopefully the listeners will have some ideas for this, but I think Susanna should be suggesting things to this woman to do that don't mm. involve Susanna, who that will kind of fill her day somehow. Because those days, you know, uh, when I was completely alone um, over Christmas and, you know, I wasn't working, wasn't doing anything, I mean, those days are long. They're, they are very long. and I think it's good as well, though, Graham, to do that thing that... Um, Hugh Grant did in About a Boy, this is for everybody, and I do this, is to sort of divide your day up into kind of hour-long segments or half an hour segments or whatever and have a vague, even write it down, have a vague idea of what you're going to be doing. You know, even if it's clean the windows at 11.30 and exercise at one or just <laughs> so that there's still structure to your life and we, she needs that. We are so different. You, In your head, you went to clean the windows and exercise. In my head, I was thinking, yes, at half 11, I could have tea and then I might read a book till one <laughs> and then I'll have lunch. <laughs> well, that can still be on your list. But I was just thinking also about Susanna um, and the, her lady. There are lots of, sort I don't know how technical she is, that's the problem. Um, there are lots of Facebook groups for older people and they FaceTime and they, I know that there are these out there and Susanna could do a little bit of research. FaceTime the, uh, you know, people who can't get out and have a chat. You have a chat, they hook you up with somebody of the same age, of the same kind of period. Do I mean that? I don't know. Yeah. yeah Elizabethan. Yeah. Elizabethan. Um, <laughs> yeah. Fine legs. And, Lovely and legs. And that is, that is also available. So to, so people are staying connected, but via the medium of technology, which might be difficult. And also maybe check with, maybe check with uh, local. So I know my, my sister in Ireland, they're doing a thing where um, they're delivering books to people. You know, they get them out to people. So maybe uh, the local library will deliver books or magazines or something. I don't, I don't know. But I think maybe look into that, 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 yeah. that you don't feel like it's all on you. Because I think that's that's awful. You know, if you walk away leaving a little old lady, you know, not upset, but a bit kind of 
put out that you you didn't give as much time as she wanted that that makes you feel terrible so try to spread the responsibility around for this woman get some other people or some services in involved um, again I think the listeners will have a better idea of the sorts of things to do to kind of fill this lady's time Graham's Guide okay second problem please. day two gritting <laughs> teeth no I'm not I'm not I'm not I love it here's my next letter Graham okay Concentrate now. <laughs> Dear Graham and Maria, just before we went into lockdown, I had been having a lovely flirtation with a girl at work. She's 25 and I'm 30. How lovely. It was leading somewhere, if you know what I mean, question mark. Now we are all working from home. Do you think it's okay to FaceTime her? I don't want to be seen as unprofessional, but I really miss our flirting and teasing. I certainly don't want her to think I'm being inappropriate or suggestive. Any ideas? And that is from Nick in Bromsgrove. Nick in Bromsgrove, I think you must be applauded for actually thinking the fact of, you know, about the fact that you don't want to be seen as inappropriate or suggestive. But also the very fact that you have thought about that means that you possibly want to be inappropriate or suggestive. <laughs> I think you're going to have to dig deep for your flirting skills here, Nick in Bromsgrove. Maybe read a little bit of Jane Austen or Middlemarch or something because <laughs> flirting... Um, oh, no, he's not texting. Is he's, he's going to be FaceTiming her. Yeah. But you have to start with a bit of, you know, text and uh, Facebooky chat and things like that so you've got to be quite clever about that and as long as you don't say you know hello how are you doing send me a picture in a bikini um i think you'll be fine and just keep bear it in mind that it's a different medium and that uh just because it's the two of you on your computer screens doesn't mean to say it's sort of not public in some way or other. What do you think, Graham? Well, I think he should, I think certainly you can be very flirty on email. I think, you know, do some emailing, uh, you know, a bit of work and a bit of, you know, try to replicate what was going on in the office in an email and build up to the FaceTime email. Because I think if you suddenly FaceTime someone, it's a bit kind of like, oh, 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 because, you know, because you don't want to surprise a lady with a FaceTime call because, you know, she may not be ready. If, you know, she may not be camera ready. So uh, don't... <laughs> Have her earrings in. Yeah, that kind of thing. So don't mm-hmm. so don't surprise with the FaceTime thing. You know, because, you know, she might have dirty grouting in her kitchen or something. You know, she won't... She won't she want to know where she is. But, you know. <laughs> dirty grouting in her kitchen. Well, you know... I don't think he'll mind about that. <laughs> He's not looking at the grouting. No. Uh, so, but here's the other thing. I think, uh, and it's sweet that Nick is, you know, because I think hopefully people are starting to realise Oh, you know, that there are boundaries and you do need to be careful about these things. So he is very sensibly saying, I want to be careful. Now, given that it was very flirty and he felt it was going somewhere, I think these FaceTime calls, they mustn't be inappropriate. That's correct. But at the same time, they do need to be a bit suggestive and a bit flirty so that, you know, by the time we get out of this lockdown, when they're about, I don't know, 56 or 60, um, then they can meet up in in life. But uh, I think... Actually, Graham, I do think this is from a girl's point of view, woman's point of view, that actually the brain being engaged is quite sexy. So if he does work on his um, emails, and I think that's perfectly fine to do a, quite a few of those before you move on to FaceTime. Yeah. To, um, you know, use words, use words to um, flirt and to tease. And it might not be your natural medium, but uh, I think women will really, well, this particular woman, uh, 
will really respond to that and find it, you know, and then we'll have to respond back in a certain fashion. So you can actually control this in a way that isn't suggestive, but is kind of more cerebral in its flirting. Does yeah. that make sense? No, it does. I mean, it all depends what sort of flirting was going on before. I mean, was he just kind of, you know, throwing empty cereal packets at her in the kitchen? <laughs> like it was school. <laughs> I really fancy you. Uh, or were they doing actual kind of banter and chat? And if they were doing banter and chat, that's easy to, kind of, I think, to kind of translate into into emails. And the other good thing I would say, Nick, is oh, yes. don't panic because... I, th- I think he feels like, oh, it's all slipping away. We were in this sweet spot. We were nearly going to go on a date, bef- you know, when lockdown happened. It's not She's like... not going anywhere. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. And she, no one else is swooping in to uh, to take her away from you. So I think, you know, relax. You're fine. You can play a long game here. And actually, in a way, it's funny you mentioned the Jane Austen thing. What's sweet is that what this will be is a kind of courtship, a very old-fashioned courtship, where they get to know each other and find out about each other's personalities and what makes them laugh and what they're interested in before they ever get to any other, you know, part of the relationship. Is there another part? Well, <laughs> there used to what be. What is it, Graham? They, what they, is it? There used to be in olden days. You know, in the <laughs> olden days. Tell me about this. In, in pre-lockdown. I want you to write me a letter in the style of Jane Austen, please. And I'll write you one. Dear we'll reader. read it out next week. <laughs> yeah. The Graham Norton Radio Show. Virgin Radio. Okay, time for my first guest of the day. She's best known for her starring role in Cold Feet, but now she's putting her television know-how to the test as a team captain, no less, in ITV's brand new quiz show, Paul Zinner's TV Showdown. Uh, Welcome, Faye Ripley. Hi, Faye. Hi. I'm your first virgin. You are. You are my my virgin guest. That's what you are. Uh, How are you? you? I'm I'm good. I've got, as you said earlier on, I've got a full face of makeup on. I don't seem to have grasped the idea of radio at all. Having said that, I'm not wearing a top. Oh, okay, great. So it's fine. <laughs> it's yin and yang. Yes. And Lovely also, combo. Yeah. When you went to your makeup, was it all just dry and cracked because it hadn't been used for so long? Honestly, I've never worn more makeup through this. I've gone that way. I think. Um, I don't know why. It just makes me feel better to be plastered in makeup every day. Okay. Okay. I I mean, whatever helps. I mean, uh, yes. That's it. Yes, well done you. Um, So when did you make... So this show, Paul Sinner's TV showdown, when did you make it? Uh, It looks like... I mean, it's in in some sort of form of lockdown. Yes. We made it quite recently and we made it very fast. Uh, We made it at the end of last year uh, and it was, yes, we we took all the precautions. I think we made it very quickly because I think they thought if we get ill, we won't be their problem. Like if you film quickly (laughs) enough, I don't know, that wasn't officially said, but my God, we filmed quickly. Um, And it was super fun. It was sort of high octane and fun and daft and sort of exactly what we need at the moment. I think. Well, isn't it weird? I was thinking that as I watched it, because I was thinking, mm, do I want to watch a, a panel show about TV? <laughs> Turned out I did. Uh, it, there's something <laughs> so lovely because it's quite retro. It's lots of old clips and it's just seven lovely people in a studio having a laugh. I really enjoyed it. I, I th- it's pretty casual. I think we can say it's quite casual. I mean, not everyone's casual in their quizzing because some people do naturally take quizzing very seriously. Some of our amazing guests take it very seriously, quite right too. <laughs> Obviously, Paul Sinner, who is master of all qu- quizzes, um, he takes it very, very seriously. Rob Beckett and myself, 
Maybe not so much, but, you know, giving it a go. Yes. I now, think. So Paul Zinner, we know him from The Chase. That's the, yes. his, that's his claim to fame. So yes. uh, it's kind of weird to see him in this sort of light entertainment, jovial thing. Because when it starts, I'm a bit dry. But actually, he's very funny. Yes, I mean, you, you have to, you know, he's, he's like a fine wine. You definitely, <laughs> you know, you, in the, you have to tune in. Because I think with with quizzes and if you're taking those, you know, you have to get on track and you go, oh, I see. And then he is, he's very, I mean, he's a very, very clever, clever, clever man. And so his wit is very clever. Yeah. So, and yeah. now, so you offered, you got off the job. Now, can I just say, as an actress, yeah. you must have thought, because not a lot of acting going on. So it must have been, whippy, I've, I've, got, <laughs> I've got a job. Because how great to, that this came along. I mean... I I did question why, I mean, I could see why Paul Sinner was doing a quiz show. I could see why Rob Beckett, very quick, very funny. Um, you know, uh, I, yeah, I did slightly question why they rang me. I'm going to be honest. Um, but I, I jumped at the chance, Graham, as you can imagine. Um, and I think what I th I'm hoping what I bring to the party is sort of, uh, I'm very encouraging of other people. I think that's what I'm doing. Yes. Your level, your level of expertise as a team captain, I felt, matched mine as an audience member. <laughs> you just looked a bit puzzled. I'm just looking around at other people. Kind of, I wonder who'll know this, because I don't. Uh, yes, I think there were. I, I was always very, very surprised and delighted when somebody knew something. Um, I probably shouldn't have shown that so much. Perhaps that's where the acting should have come in. Um, I did get a couple of questions right, by the way. Yes, no, you did, you did. Yes, um, did. And uh, so it's, it's so it's you and Rob Beckett. Uh, you're the team captains. Paul Sinner. Uh, who else is kind of filling it out? Who are the who are people who are on the teams? I mean, sort of too many to mention, but we've got um, there's Josh Widdicombe on my team in on the first one and Denise Van Outen. But we've got all sorts. I mean, genuinely, they've got all, you know, to be honest, everyone was available. So uh, we've got <laughs> loads of people. Um, everyone was chomping at the bit to come and uh, do a telly quiz. So we've sort of got people from Strictly, we've got people from all sorts of reality things, but we've also got brilliant, you know, we've got Richard Madeley, we've got, I don't know, um, Oh, I mean, uh, he will Ian be competitive. Sterling. Richard Madeley yes. in a quiz, he is watching those scores like a hawk, I imagine. Um, yes, I did a little bit of, oh, don't worry, it's only fun, Richard. Yes, <laughs> didn't, didn't raise the smile I was hoping. Um, uh, but the yeah. clips, the clips are so good. What were some of the, the kind of things you liked seeing again or things you'd never seen before that amazed you? Because there are, are some brilliant clips in it. I'm always amazed that I haven't seen some of the clips that they show on these things. Like, I was like, where was I? I, I don't remember having a social life at any point in my life that I would have missed any of this. But there was sort of some old Anton Deck stuff. There's quite a lot of the reality stuff that you think you've seen. And then when you watch it, you go, it, it's, it's you watch it for the first time again, because some of it was quite a long time ago. Well, um, in the first episode, yeah. there's a clip of the gladiators. I remember gladiators just being sort of fun. It looked terrifying. It looked really yeah. scary. I think that was back in the days when health and safety wasn't <laughs> what it is now. Let's let's be honest. So that's kind of the fun is actually watching when we didn't have rules and you go, oh, gosh, you'd never be able to do that now. Children smoking. I'm joking. That wasn't allowed. But um, <laughs> it was it was sort of. Yeah, it, it sort of actually things have dated quite a lot when you watch them. 
Um, but it's fun. It, it's fun. I, you know, it really is the sort of fun round of your pub quiz, basically. It's the bit that you look forward to and you've got half a chance of getting right. Yeah, honestly, I, I like I say, Faye, I really enjoyed it. It's sort of, it, it's it's what you didn't know you wanted to watch. <laughs> it's, it, it's just yeah. a bit of a warm hug. It's lovely. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's what you didn't know you wanted to be in for me. <laughs> <laughs> and now I am. Great. How many, how many episodes did you do? There's six episodes uh, and they're on at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night on ITV. So I think it's about the right timing when everyone's loosening up, I think. So um, hopefully people will sort of join in and, and have a laugh, really. That's the, that's the general gist. And because I was watching it thinking, I, I have seen quizzes about TV before. And then it was on the end. Because it's, it, so it is actually a reboot of Teleaddicts. It is, yes. I think that they went back to sort of say, what did we love and what do we want to sort of see again? And let's, yeah, reboot it and sort of put a bit of a spin on it. One of the other things you do is cook. You're very good at the cooking. So uh, has lockdown made you, you know, really go to town or are you, are, are you now even bored of your own cooking? I'm, I think the, the proof is, as they say, in the pudding. Oh, I'm very now, good. Very, round of applause for very yes, Ripley. Yes, thank yeah. you. I am fat. Oh. <laughs> That's, I'm now quite fat. Um, and I think that being the proof in the, in the, in the ladies' pudding. I, I, I'm doing nothing but cooking and eating. Um, that's it. That now is, is pretty much my life, uh, other than a bit of watching of telly, you know. I, I, I tell a lie. Um, it's it sort of, I find the cooking to be a great release. I just have to find enough people to eat what I cook. So my neighbours are doing quite well out of me. Because how many of you are at home now? It's just four of us and a dog, you know. Well, there's um, always the dog. So the dog, you know, any, anything that yeah, goes to waste. The dog will have it. <laughs> um, so it's, but I mean, genuinely, we've got quite, we, in the early days of lockdown, we got a WhatsApp group going in our street. So uh, there's a lot of takers for leftover brownies, I can tell you. You've got a WhatsApp for your street? Well, don't you, Graham? What sort of weird vision of Britain is this? Friendly neighbours? <laughs> Oh God! Oh, we are we're, we're never off the WhatsApp. In fact, can I say this lockdown is getting a bit much? I need them to just like no. Yeah, no, like, I'm just a, a I'm just at the window hissing. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're, we are very very friendly. And in between, we had a sort of distanced uh, sort of get together on the street outside and waving at each other to put sort of make sure that we all knew what we all looked like. Um, obviously, I was pretty certain they knew what I looked like, Graham. Yeah, well, you know, you're the yes. celebrity neighbour. You know who lives there. <laughs> it's the woman that's getting very fat. <laughs> yeah, you'd think she'd repaint your windows. They're very cracked. Look at those. <laughs> um, but anyway, it is. It's a sort of for me. It's it's a great joy. The cooking is something that um, is keeps me sane. And Faye, you've been in the news. Have I? Yes, you have. What have I done? Uh, apparently, uh, you rejected Simon Cowell's uh, offer of a record contract. I mean, things get a bit exaggerated, Graham. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, it's that pesky I, Radio Times. They they, <laughs> they love spinning things. They do. Look, the, what what happened was that many years ago, I did a show. I did a um, a TV show called I Saw You, and I played a nightclub singer. Um, and off the back of that, when I did the first series, the pop idol panel came to me and said, "Do you want to make a record?" It was sort of around the Jerome and 
Robson and Jerome time or oh, whatever. Yes. When actors were meant to make records and make a fortune. Yeah. Anyway, I, I've, it's the only thing I've ever wanted to do, by the way, make a record. Not that I can sing, but that's not the point. Of course, I want to be a pop star. That's that's the goal. Still is. And uh, but. Anyway, I rather arrogantly said, I'm very busy with all my <laughs> wonderful work. I'll do it, but when I go to second series. Anyway, we were cancelled. <laughs> so <laughs> that was the end of that plan. That didn't happen. <laughs> uh, favourite, please. It's been lovely talking to you. Bye, favourite, please. Thanks for having me. Bye. Congratulations. Thank Bye. you. Bye. The Graham Norton Radio Show. Virgin Radio. OK, time for my second guest of the day, our former semi-professional footballer, the star of the royal family, Two Pints of Lager, and now in the hit TV drama Death in Paradise. Please welcome Ralph Little, everybody. Yay! Hello, hello, hooray. Hello. If it was Zoo Radio, they'd be clapping, but sadly there isn't. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. It's early where you are, right? It is. It's quarter past seven. Oh, thank you so much for getting up. <laughs> it's very, <laughs> That's all right. That's... It's very no nice worries. of you. Uh, so no. Death, Death in Paradise, it returned to our screens on Thursday, episode two, uh, next Thursday. This is series 10 and it's a ratings, ten. it's a ratings juggernaut, this thing. It's, yes. And does it kind of frustrate you? I feel like the BBC don't make a big enough fuss of it because it's it's such a huge show. Well, um, I think we've, we've made quite a fuss of it this year, particularly, obviously, with it being the 10th series. So, um, I, you know, I can't really complain on that score, but it, it's lovely. I mean, you know, most of the time you do a show, you do a show and you're hoping as you're filming it that it's going to people, the audience is going to like it. But you never know. And you, nobody ever sets out to make something bad. Um, so, you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're always rolling the dice and thinking, I hope that is. And sometimes you make something that you think is legit brilliant, but somehow it just doesn't catch the audience. And that's the way it goes. So to come into something that's already a huge hit just felt like such a privilege and a joy. You go, great, I can just step into this. And of course then, just before it goes out, you think, wait a second, what if I completely ruin this? <laughs> so it's a, it is a double-edged sword, but uh, luckily it seems to be going well and the ratings are still high and everybody's, you know, judging by Twitter, which is always a good metric for one's mental health. Oh, um, <laughs> they... Uh, uh, as my as my missus said uh, when my first episode went out, uh, I, I couldn't watch it because I was too nervous. And after about fifteen minutes, she called me and went, "You can crawl out from under your rock. You're a hit." <laughs> so I was, yeah, so that was okay. And you are because I think this week it got announced that they're they're eleven and twelve, season eleven and seven. Yeah. And are you doing those? Are you committed to this? Indeed, indeed. I'll be back uh, next year, and uh, I say I don't think I'm signed for the two years. I can't remember, but, I'm, but yes, basically I'm coming but you, back. You, yeah, but you're, you're willing. I'm back. But no, because yeah. because I'm not in any hurry, Graham, to not go to the Caribbean for five months and uh, and, do, and lead a TV show. But that's what I always think because it's such a gorgeous job, and yet yeah. and yet the kind of lead detectives have come and gone. I if I got that job, you would hang on to it forever, surely. <laughs> yeah, they have sort of dropped like flies of it haven't they no it, it, there's there's various reasons um uh it, it is it's a trick it's a physically demanding job you, to a, to an extent that you would surprise anybody that did it because it looks so beautiful on screen and it is but what doesn't isn't conveyed on screen is the sheer heat and tiredness and general sweaty messness of the whole thing <laughs> and um and also and, your character uh, your yeah, character wears jackets all the time you all the time <laughs> all the time i'm desperately waiting Ard, i always keep on saying this and every, everyone's <laughs> quoting me on it but ardlo hanlon who was my predecessor somehow out of 
of all the detectives, managed to be the only person who walked around in a, like a open neck polo shirt and occasionally even managed some shorts. And how has he done that? I'm in a, I'm in a, a, a suit, tie, shirt, jacket, and then carrying a bag. So uh, yeah, that's my only complaint. But uh, it's yeah. If I die of heat exhaustion, then uh, I think we should blame Ardell for yeah. some reason. But <laughs> I have to say, watching it, you do kind of. This is the closest to a holiday that most of us will get this year. It's <laughs> sitting watching yeah. Death of Paradise. Well, I mean, it's, it's it's great escapism at the best of times, but I think it's this year, you know, more than ever, and, and thank, thank goodness for it. And I and I mean this as a compliment. There's a, a bit about Death of Paradise where it reminds me of something like Murder, She Wrote, where it's yeah. it's it's got gruesome murders in it, it's violent crimes, and yet somehow it's comfort TV. I don't know how you guys manage to combine those two things. Well, I've never quite understood it myself. I mean, the, the thing that always tickles me before I was in it, um, and, and even you know more so now that I am, is there's always the setup. The, the formula of it works that there's a setup, and you meet the backstory, meet the characters, and there's a gruesome murder, and it can be as gruesome as you know somebody's got an ice pick through through the through the chest or something like that, and it goes, ooh, ah, there's been a murder, and then the jaunty theme tune kicks in. <laughs> here we are in the sunshine, and yet somehow, somehow it works. I, I, I don't I don't know why, but uh, you know I love it. Um, I must say, watching ne- I've watched next week's episode, the one about the archaeology. Oh, yes. And I thought, oh, I'd love to be that professor because you know, you're dead within minutes and yet you've been flown to the Caribbean. Mate, it's the cushiest. I- we'll have to get you on as a victim. No, you know, please. Murder, murder victim Seriously. one. That's me. Honestly, it's the, it is the most, it's the cushiest job in television playing the victim in Death in Paradise. Everyone <laughs> everyone knows it. Because if you're in the guest cast, that's, that's nice enough anyway because you come out and you do a few days work and probably you're there for generally about two weeks. But if you're the murder victim, you do about a day and a half filming at the start to, to do the preamble, to, to do the setup. And then if you if you called in for another day, it's basically just lying around. And then they, they sort of come and fan you. That's the best bit. You, what you don't see is in between takes, they go, cut. And then everyone runs on with a fan and starts fanning you while you're lying there. And you're going, this is, I could get used to this. So, yeah, I will get you on as a murder victim. That would be great. You know, because at, at the end of the, the episode I watched, they do, you know, coming up next week. And you see that Jason Manford's a guest actor on in episode yeah. three. And there's no mystery what he's been doing. I mean, he is so tanned. <laughs> did he, did, did he come out like a month beforehand or something? Yeah, he's brown as a berry. <laughs> I'm sure he's built himself a, a tanning a tanny studio in his house before he came out. Honestly, he came out and I burst out laughing. Also, you're supposed to be kind of quite... Um, you, you, we're asked to try and keep everything as much of a secret as possible. And... Um, and not mention that you're on the show. But, but and, and so Jason did a picture during lockdown when no one could fly anywhere pretty much apart from for work. And he did a picture of himself going, just off to film a TV show in, in I think he even said in Guadeloupe. And everyone was like, well, that's not a secret then, is it? He said, and he said, well, I didn't mention the name of the show. It's like, yeah, but I mean, I'm not the only detective in the world and it doesn't take the best one, Jason. Yeah, there you go. yeah, it wasn't going to be Scandi Noir. And, <laughs> no, exactly. And, and tell me this, so were you filming under kind of lockdown conditions? Was this series, uh, kind of, did it fall within that period of time? Yeah, yeah, we shot the whole thing um, under uh, strict COVID protocols. And, That's and amazing. You would yeah. never know. Watching it, you would never know that this was yeah. under protocol. Well, we, we couldn't... We couldn't um... We couldn't believe our luck, really, that, that, that we were being asked to go out there. And it was an, an amazing achievement, really, when, when you consider it. And we, we, we did it, um, we actually started two months later than we would normally start uh, in, in the year. 
uh, and still managed to finish it in time to broadcast it at the same time as we would every year, which in itself is a, is a ridiculous, is a ridiculous ambition that seems pretty crazy, and I still can't believe that it actually happened. But yeah, um, we we had a couple of things going in our favour. The island is by because it's a remote island, it, it's sort of a bubble in itself, and we also film on a particularly remote part of a remote island, which makes it even more of a bubble. And so, and we we all sort of kept to ourselves, but you know we wore masks on set all the time, uh, re, re, washed our hands religiously, and 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 often there was a COVID supervisor who was there the whole time to make sure that people weren't getting too close to each other. You know, it it was weird for for a couple of weeks. It was a bit strange, but then you know people are resilient. It became the new normal, and. Uh, and here we are. We managed to get it done. Well, hats off to you because you've done an amazing job. Because I think, you know, watching soaps and things, you can often see it's kind of it's a bit odd and the distance yeah. in between characters. But you've done it's, it. I honestly thought you must have finished it before any of the any of the pandemic. It was really, really well done. Now go back to bed, Ralph Little. Thank you very I much for talking will. to us. Lovely to send. Well, congrats on your first show. Oh, cheers. Thanks for being a part of it. Hear what Super Soldier and Middleton had to say about working with Rebel Wilson in just a bit. But first, here's Kirsty Allsop and Phil Spencer speaking to me about their brand new show, Love It or List It. Hello, Graham. Good morning. And do I have an mm, Phil? Good morning, Graham. <gasps> You're both here. Well done. <laughs> Kirsty and Phil, very good. Yeah. I'm not sure we've ever done this before. Phil, have no, we, we ever done a radio interview together? It's quite strange. It It, it, it is. It's odd from, for everybody. So, uh <laughs> So bear with us how, as I try to. How's your new office, Graham? How's my new office? Yeah, it's stunning in terms of location, location, location. It has the most amazing view, doesn't it, Graham? I mean, a sort of breathtaking view. It really, even on a grim, cloudy Sunday morning, you do go. <gasps> it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. If I was on your show, I would be loving it, not listing it. Do you see what I did there? <laughs> Most people yes. do, Caroline, I'm sad to say. Now, on the show, so how was it decided? Kirsty, do you always do love it? Of course, of course, because I am the one who is obsessed with flow and how to use a space and the sort of very practical element of how a house doesn't function, it's dysfunctional for the entire family, and then suddenly you can alter that. Not that Phil's not interested in that, he is, but... Mm. Uh, that's something I'm slightly obsessed by in a slightly strange way. But when they were kind of deciding who got which bit, Phil, I would have jumped at Listed. Listed seems so much easier than the Love It bit. <laughs> you, you are absolutely right. It is easier. Um, uh, but Kirsty's very good at, um, at space and, and helping people through those sort of housing practical dilemmas. And, and I love going out house hunting um, and showing people houses and trying to do deals. Um, it is. It's quite. It's quite amusing. It's quite. It's a really. It's a really fun show for us to work on. But um, it is quite um, entertaining going out house hunting for, for one half of the couple who really wants me to succeed and find them a lovely house that they can move to, and of course the other half of the couple is desperately hoping that I muck it up um, and don't find anything that they like at all. So it, it's. It's. Um, there's, there's plenty of room for um, room for um, entertainment along the way. If there was ever a celebrity version, I'm tempted to do it just to pretend, and that way that Kirsty oh, would Kirsty would just come into my house and just clear it out. Just well, somewhere. That's the thing I was going to say because we had this conversation years ago about the dogs and the clutter, <laughs> and it freaked me out. I've never forgotten it because I was on your show for Comic Relief, and and you said how often do you change your sheets, and I said once a week. 
actually really at twice a week. Really? But I didn't want to say twice a week. And the whole audience gasped. And you what goes on in that bed, Kirsty? Twice a week? <laughs> and, and then you said, then you went on to say that your house was, you know, quite on the messy side. And I, 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 I want to have a decluttering show as well as Love It All List It. Well, because I think, I think, see if you agree, I think houses are like a, like a handbag. You know, they're, they're always full. So the bigger the house or the bigger the handbag, the more stuff is in it. And uh, we're yes. not very good at editing our p- possessions. That, that's good. a good analogy. And Kirsty has massive handbag. <laughs> <laughs> but I tidy them out every night. <laughs> and I, th- I just sort of looked down. I saw you've been doing property searches of various kinds for over 20 years now, which is extraordinary, isn't it? Well, long may um, it continue. It's, it's still, you know, it, it's still good fun. We still enjoy it. Um, and it's a real pleasure and a privilege to, to, um, to, to travel around and to, to help people in these big decisions. It's never easy moving house or making these big decisions. And I think what's interesting is over the years, because I think in the beginning with location, 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 it was a practical thing, you know, because actually you guys found houses that people couldn't find because there weren't there weren't the the web searches and all the property internet things. But now anyone could do that. Now it's about the two of you. <laughs> it's about the two of you and your advice. It seems to me. Do you feel more responsible now? Um, I think that. I've been saying for a long time that I think house hunting on the internet is overrated in that you can you can achieve a lot in terms of finding out about the local area. You've got those brilliant aerial shots, but it's a very physical auditory, you know, auditory and nose, see, smell, taste, touch type thing. And so at the end of the day, you still have to look around a house and um it has become easier, but I think there's been a bit of like people thinking that they've seen something when they've seen it over the internet and that's not seeing something. So you think you could dismiss something on the internet and then actually if you went to see it, you'd go, oh, yeah. I'm a fool. We've dragged I, I people know, to see things that they've dismissed. I don't know how many people we've had on location, location that have actually ended up buying a house that they had previously dismissed. But it's, I mean, it's dozens. And also, it is that weird thing when you see something on online, you know, because, you know, estate agents aren't stupid. It's photographed very nicely to crop out the smelting plant next door or the, <laughs> or the cliff behind the house. It sure is. I mean, we have an amazing team on location, location, location. They do an extraordinary job. And, um, and they have a very difficult time because they're both producers and directors and house hunters. So that's really hard. And they go and see... 20 that often 40 properties in the run-up to the days in which we're filming and then sometimes phil and i will walk into a house and go no and and all hell breaks loose because it doesn't happen too often it doesn't happen too often (laughs) happens occasionally no (laughs) no (laughs) and and it's just awful because you know there are things that i remember one time Phil, do you remember this when there was that lovely record producer and he had a very nice house and I couldn't understand why he was selling it. And I looked around the whole house and none of the signs of why someone would be selling were there. And then I went to the upstairs bathroom and peeped out of a top window and the next door garden was chaos. And you realise they had rogue neighbours. And I had to go downstairs and, and I said, look, I'm really, really sorry, but you're going to have to tell me about next door before I let my clients into this house. 
and the poor lady burst into tears. But it, you know, it, it, it is one of those things. Phrase, Kirst, rogue neighbours. Yes. <laughs> like oh, that. those neighbours are that. rogues. <laughs> They're <laughs> rascals. <laughs> Um, and it's such kind of an odd time in, in our lives and in the world right now. For the two of you, obviously, people still have to move. People still have different requirements for where they yeah. live. You know, there will always be that. But uh, what do you think about, you know, the, the immediate future? Are, are things still kind of buoyant? Is it still a good time to sell, a good time to buy? Uh, educate us. Tell us what you know. I think we are, in the housing market, we're feeling very fortunate the housing market is still open and allowed to function because there are so many industries and businesses that aren't but it is surprisingly busy and surprisingly buoyant and given that the housing market is generally driven by sentiment um, you would have thought sentiment would be dragging along the floor at the moment but there's an awful lot of people trying to do an awful lot of deals just at the moment and do you think, think London is just going to be empty or is, every, is it really a lot of Pickford vans <laughs> heading, out, heading out into the country <laughs> Um, I think, uh, Graham, you've hit the nail on the head. I think people have realised that if they're not commuting anymore, why would they bother to pay to live in such an expensive area? At some point, that is going to impact areas, not just in London. Um, I think that the buoyancy stems from a sort of delay. And then if you didn't love your house before the March lockdown, you're you're not going to be loving it now. <laughs> Mm. No, that is, that is very true. true. Yes, there you... was a delay. There was a delay from people that could, couldn't get moved last summer, and there's also a kind of um, an injection of people that perhaps would have moved later this year or even next year, who were thinking they'd try and take advantage of the stamp duty holiday. Um, but they're, they're probably running out of time because um, that's coming up quite quickly. When does when does uh, that come back? I think people have, have moved their plans forward, perhaps. When does the stamp duty come back? Well, um, that's March. the big question, Graham. Ooh. Officially, March it is whether it gets extended or not. I, I believe Kirsty's got an inside knowledge there. She knows. She knows. <laughs> no, 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 no. God, no, no. Absolutely not. One hundred percent. I, I know nothing. But there, is, there is definitely the, the, uh, the chance. Has, yeah. uh, has said it will end on that date. Um, I, I, I think chaos would ensue if it did end on a specific date because everybody would be working towards that date. It's great to keep people motivated towards that date, but actually. If they haven't completed their deals on that date, and it, the chances are there'll be deals collapsing left, right, and centre. Imagine being an estate agent if there's, a, if there's a fixed day. It'll just be bedlam. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kirsty and Phil, it's been lovely to talk to you. Uh, Kirsty and Phil's Love It or List It continues on Channel 4 at 8 o'clock. The Graham Norton Radio Show, Virgin Radio. And Middleton. Hi, good afternoon, Ant. Hey, Graham, how are you? Oh, you frightened me there. <laughs> a little pause. I thought, is he there? Is he there? Are we talking to Finn there? Are you in. You're there, you're there. Um, how are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you. Life is good. Um, just getting through these challenging times. But listen, we love a challenge, so we just get on with it. We keep our head down and we, we push forward. So all good my end, thank you. Very good. Now, Ant Middleton and Rebel Wilson, straight talking. It's Thursdays at nine on Sky One and, of course, uh, Now TV as well. And it's a brilliant premise for an interview show because at the beginning of the show, you say you're, you're trained in some sort of interview techniques. I would say interrogation, but it's a nicer phrase than that. I just say that I'm... Um... Um, yeah, it's interrogation techniques, but it's it's more of a if more it's more of a gentle thousand yard stare, shall we say? <laughs> um, and 
I mean, because I know, I know myself, you know, having a chat show, it's hard enough to book a guest to uh, come into a nice television studio with a glass of wine and, you know, a makeup person on hand. Uh, so how did you, how do you get, last year you had Liam Payne, now Rebel Wilson, how do you convince them to go on these extended trips into the wilderness with you? Do you know what? I think this is about them telling their story. You know, these are celebrities that want to tell their story. They want to show the public that they're not just this glitz and glam, that they've got something about them, that they've got this steel and ruggedness to still, you know, be a, a normal person, I think. You know, a lot of people put them on a pedestal, but they're willing to get off that pedestal and just, you know, ramble through the wild and prove that they're still this this individual, that they're like everyone else, that they have emotions, they have feelings, and yet they're incredible, incredibly resilient. So it's about them telling their story. So when we done Liam Payne, and they saw that I wasn't just screaming and shouting at people and getting them to do ridiculously <laughs> um, hard challenges. I think they realised, actually, this is a time to tell my story. So um, after Liam Payne and now Rebel, um, it's opened up and we've got a lot more people um, who are knocking at the door. So it's great for, for people to tell their story. Because it is interesting to see Rebel in this because she's so larger than life and full on and, you know, she's a clown. She wants to entertain. Oh. And in this, you see her sort of... Uh, I mean, she's still funny and she's still entertaining but she does seem sort of calmer she allows herself kind of room to talk yes um honestly she was she was vile she was a diva she was <laughs> negative no 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 i'm joking i'm joking <laughs> I, I tried to get that side out of her i tried to coax the animal out of her but um do you know what she is larger than life she's sensitive um she's a lovely lovely woman but Rebel knows what she wants. That's the good thing about Rebel. She knows what she wants. She goes after it. And she uses everything that she has, all the traits, positive traits that she has, her humour, her personality, her positivity, to, in order to get what she wants. But she's not scared to go into those, you know, those dangerous places, those dark places where she feels vulnerable. But yet, um, you know, she's, she's really happy to, to really expose herself like that. So straight talking, um, this series um, or this episode is really, really interesting because you get to see a completely different side to her. And you bring her to northern Mexico, and which does look very wild. It looks like kind of spaghetti western kind of place. But um, how rough and ready was it? Because it's, it's, I wasn't clear. Do you actually camp or do you then go to a, do you go to a kind of a nice soft bed after the sitting out being bitten by bugs? Well, it's a bit of both, really. You know, there's sort of shacks and sort of, sort of hotels along Along the way so we can either camp out or you either go there um so it, you know after a long day in this in the heat and we are in the outback it's literally like in in northern mexico it is what you think you know there's a lot of creatures about there's a lot of um things that want to sting you and bite you so um at the end of the day we were we went to the little shacks and and got our heads down um at the end of the day and sort of started off again in the morning but you know you couldn't really sleep out there the heat was absolutely horrendous and that's the whole idea of the trip the whole idea of the trip is it's three days long. This isn't sort of like an interview show where, you know, we get you for an hour. It's three days long. And I've got the privilege of being with her for three days, getting her while she's tired and miserable, getting her whilst we're doing something that's, you know, high octane, that's got the, the blood flowing and the adrenaline going. So, um, you know, I've got the, the perfect opportunity to really get to sort of nitpick on on who I want to see, i.e. personality wise and what I'm trying to get out of her. So, um, you know, it's 
to put yourself in that situation, it is hardcore. This isn't a show where it's like, it's not a survival show, don't get me wrong, but it is hardcore where they're long days, they're tiring days, and she's doing things that's really out of her comfort zone. And, you know, I, I, I think, you know, as an hour, an hour, as a viewer watching the show for an hour, it's fascinating, it's great. But I, I, but as an interviewer, I, while I was watching it, I was thinking, that man's been talking to her for three days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying, what the hell did you find out talking to her for three days? Um, so do, are there moments, are there lulls where you kind of think, should we just listen to the car radio for a while? Um, should we just read a book? <laughs> Do you know what? She probably wanted to bury me, if I'm honest, Graham. Um, <laughs> I was just on her 24-7. And, you know, I'm, I'm there to work at the end of the day. But you couldn't help with someone like Rebel, who I speak to now, you know, I speak to on a weekly basis, you know, we've become really good friends. You can't help but be fascinated with someone like that because she's got this story of, you know, being in Australia, you know, trying and trying and trying and trying, getting nowhere, then all of a sudden having a small break, you know, making that into a large break. I to her for for a week but I, I guarantee you after three days she was like that probably like and get the hell out of here you know <laughs> go you know, your job is done off you go so if anything I, I, I expect that I annoyed her more than she annoyed me and Middleton and Rebel Wilson straight talking Thursdays 9 o'clock Sky 1 and on Now TV and Ant Middleton's Be Prepared for 2021 is online uh, January the 18th with Ben Shepherd. a pleasure talking to you sir take care of yourself thank uh, good you, luck Graham, in 21 thank you Bye, bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to the best of the Graham Norton Radio Show podcast. I'm back on Virgin Radio from 9.30 on Saturday morning and the next episode of the podcast will be out first thing the following Monday. See you then. The Graham Norton Radio Show. Virgin Radio.